let it settle in, get out of the building a little bit, let it hurt. Wanted to look them all in the eyes at the same time and just say, big lesson we got to learn is how to compartmentalize the emotion. We have to be able to to focus. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. big into celebrity gossip no shame if if you are no shame everyone needs a hobby i follow sports which a lot of people probably think is dumb uh not big into celebrity gossip i try to keep my favorite celebrities at an arm's length because i feel like i feel like they all kind of stink like last night i was watching the the manning cast which i almost never do because john ham was on there i'm like i love john ham mad men's one of my favorite shows i just think he's funny and the more I watched, I'm like, ah, do I like this guy? Keeps talking about hanging out with Jimmy Kimmel and playing fantasy football with a bunch of other celebrities. I'm like, ah, do I like this guy? I, I like to keep my celebrities at arm's length. So I don't follow celebrity gossip too closely. Although today I have been all over the Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchin divorce uh, rumors. Not rumors, I guess. They hired divorce, divorce lawyers, according to the New York Post. Now, I don't know if... This is specifically because Tom Brady won't quit playing football. I'm sure there's other factors. Uh, But look, if Giselle is breaking up with Tom or they're breaking up because he doesn't want to quit football, I have a solution. My own personal experience, I watch football every Sunday, all day every Sunday. And a lot of times my girlfriend is around. And what she does is she just plays on her Nintendo Switch. She just plays Animal Crossing. I know playing football and watching football are two different things, but Tom Brady... Advice, if you're listening, have you considered buying Giselle Bunchen a Nintendo Switch? Get her hooked on Animal Crossing so then she has something to do while you're doing your thing, right? Sundays for you could be for football. Sundays for her could be for Animal Crossing. Everybody wins. It's working in my personal life. Tom Brady and Giselle hiring divorce lawyers. And that concludes the celebrity gossip portion of the Wisco Sports Show. And this is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an awesome day. I want to talk more Packers tonight. We did a lot of Badgers last night, which is good. We're going to do a lot more tonight. This is a huge story. The Wisconsin football program for the first time in, well, I don't know my history that well, 30 years or thereabouts. Is it a huge crossroads, right? Other than an awkward year with Gary Anderson and that weird in-between phase with Bielema where, you know, Barry Alvarez had to step in coach a couple of bowl games. This is really the first crossroads we found ourselves at with Badger football in 30 years. And honestly, we haven't had really a crossroads in the basketball program either because when Bo Ryan retired, you know, what a crafty man, the way he retired to give Greg Gard the inside track, but it worked out, right? Went from Bo Ryan to Greg Gard, boom, worked out great. It's been going great for Badger football for the last 30 years, and I'm not saying it's about to fall apart, but hey, we're at a big crossroads. So this is a huge story. We're going to talk about it more tonight. Uh, and I'd love to take your calls and your texts and your tweets, just like we were doing last night. I love it. But we are going to talk more about the Packers, especially in the second half of the show. Our guy Mike Clemens is going to be here at 530 uh, to preview the upcoming game in London and also talk about the game against the Patriots on Sunday. Mike was there, obviously, uh, high in the sky at Lambeau Field, as was our guy Bill Michaels covering the game. So we can talk about Mike's firsthand account of what he saw and what he heard after. Uh, and I'm very interested to get his opinion on a game that, should have gone a lot differently. They ended up winning, but 
seemed like a huge missed opportunity. That's what I talked about yesterday, right? It seemed like a great opportunity on a beautiful afternoon at Lambeau Field where it was picture perfect. It seemed like the perfect chance to come out and just knock a team around and really just plant the 2022 Packers flag just right in the middle of the field and like, see, the offense is coming along and the defense is great. And it just didn't really get that. Now they won, but it seemed like a bit of a missed opportunity. So we'll talk more about that in the second half of the show. We have the uh, the newest segment. Everyone's raving about it. Club NFL is coming up at about 4.50, 4.45, somewhere in there. But I want to start with the Badgers tonight. And I'd love to continue again to take your calls and your thoughts on what's going on as the Badgers let Paul Christ go. And now Jim Leonard steps in. We're going to hear from Jim Leonard here in about 20 minutes. Zach Heilprin was kind enough to send me a little audio from today's presser. I find it pretty impressive. I like listening to the guy. So I saved some of my favorite cuts. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. 608 796 if you want to call or text. And you can tweet me as well, at Wisco Grant. I've been consuming as much Wisconsin content as possible. I'm just, eat it up, listen, read, anything I can get, I'm just consuming, taking it in. Ben's podcast that he put out, Kenny and Heilpern, yesterday, it was just him for 45 minutes. It was great. Kenny and Heilpern will be back tonight, and then they have their live show on Thursday. So we have a lot of Badgers content. Uh, obviously, Bill in the afternoon and Ebo in the morning. We're all over this. I'm just taking in all the content, reading whatever I see, taking it all in. And up until this point, I really haven't even been trying to form opinions or takes. I'm just trying to take in as much as possible, absorbing it all. Um, the, the best comparison I can think of is um, when musicians go into a recording studio, which I've done once or twice. I'm not going to act like I do it every day. Right, but I play some music and have some friends that are much more musically inclined than me. So sometimes I get to tag along, go in the studio. What a lot of musicians will tell you is when you go into the studio and you're trying to record a guitar part for a song or a drum part or whatever. I've heard a lot of very smart musicians say, just crank them out one after another. Don't listen to them when you're done. Play one, set it aside, play another, set it aside. Just keep, just keep going. Don't listen to them. Just crank out as much as you can, right? And then at the very end, you can go back and you can dig through and you can find the ones that you like and here and there. But when you're in the, the heat of the moment, you just want to track one, done, track two, done. That's what I've been trying to do with Badger's content. Just consume, don't form an opinion, keep consuming, learn more, read more, read another guy's opinion, listen to another podcast, just take it all in. And now today, after two full days of just trying to consume as much content as possible, I'm kind of digging back through all the things and I'm reviewing, Right. I have a couple of questions that I've written down uh, or takes or opinions that I've started to form after just reading a lot and hearing from a lot of you. Took a lot of calls and texts yesterday. Uh, question number one, something that I'm not quite clear on. Were there really that many angry Badger fans calling for Chris's job? It didn't seem like it to me. Right, So many people chimed in on the show yesterday and said that, oh, Chris McIntosh, the athletic director, he gave in to pressure from the fans, gave in to the mob. No one said that. That's what I'm saying. Right? I actually think Chris McIntosh was very proactive in this decision. I don't think this was reactive at all. Not to say there weren't some that were ready to be done with Paul Chris, but I don't think it was this overwhelming chorus of Badger fans. Right? Let's compare it to Mike McCarthy in 2018. 2018 was the turning point for Mike McCarthy. We all came into that year knowing this is the year it's got to work. Otherwise, we're going to move on. The Packers underwhelmed in 16. Sands, Aaron Rodgers, unreal, run the table stretch. They underperformed in 2017. Sands, Rodgers injury. 2018, it's like, all right, this is the year it's got to happen. Okay, this is Mike McCarthy's last shot. 
Packers went into their bye in 2018, 3-2-1, came out of their bye, went to New England, and went to L.A. Those were both the two Super Bowl teams that year. And they went 0-2, and they didn't look great in either game. And we felt it was mostly over by that point. Then they lost to the Seahawks on Thursday night football, the Vikings on Sunday night football. That all but sealed the deal. We'd come to terms, yep, McCarthy's done. He would have been fired at the end of the season if not for that horrendous loss to Arizona at home. Right? It was very clear. The, the, the progressions and the steps that were taken up until 2018 and in the season in 2018, it was very clear what was happening to Mike McCarthy. Obvious. Fans knew it. I mean, they were holding up signs at Lambeau. We were frustrated with Christ, but I don't think this was comparable to McCarthy, which is our best point of reference for a long-tenured coach getting fired. I don't think there were that many fans that were angry and upset and yelling for Chris' job, and yet it's something that I'm seeing, especially from a lot of fans that I talk to. Something else that I wrote down after two days of trying to listen and read as much from Badgers fans and Badgers people as possible, I think some fans think a little too highly of Kansas <laughs> because I've seen or heard this more than once from Badger fans. I've seen, well, you know, Lance Leipold, he's not going to leave Kansas for Wisconsin. Uh, you kidding me? <laughs> really? You don't think so? He should. I was uh, listening to a podcast today, an ESPN football podcast, college football podcast, and Paul Feinbaum was talking about this, and he's saying, Leipold's out of there. He's going to go to this program or that program and specifically reference Wisconsin. I actually think Jim Leonard and Lance Leipold are in very different stages of their career, but in a very similar spot. Both Jim Leonard and Lance Leipold at this moment in time have an amazing hand. Great cards. But if they cash their hand in too early, they could bust. Or if they hold their cards too long, they could bust. Right, the game that I was thinking about today, have you ever played uh, Settlers of Catan? Really fun game. It sounds nerdy, and it is a little, but it's an awesome, super fun game. You don't really need to understand the game, just a part of it. You collect resource cards, right? As the turns go around the table, you're drawing resource cards. There's four or five different kinds, and as you collect more cards, you have the resources to build things, and those things help you win the game, right? And the more cards you hold, the more things you can build, and the better things that you can build score more points, right? But if at any point during the game, one of the players rolls a seven, anyone at the table with eight or more cards in their hand has to discard half of their hand. Oh, it's the worst. Because you, you're scheming. You're like, all right, I have three of these, two of these. When, when it becomes my turn, when it gets around to this side of the table, I'm going to do this. And then someone rolls a seven. You got to get rid of half your hand, and it sucks. So the tight rope that you got to walk in Settlers of Catan is you got to hold out as long as you can, but not too long because if you stash too many cards in your hand, you're going to lose half of them for nothing, right? Jim Leonard knows he has a great hand. He is desired. He is attractive. Jim Leonard is a hot name, and he's young, right? Being patient isn't going to hurt Jim Leonard. That's why he didn't want the Packers job. He's like, look, I got a good thing going at Wisconsin. Probably is not going to be my last chance to get an NFL job if I keep playing my cards right. And maybe I just want to stay at Wisconsin. Maybe I like it in Madison, right? He knows he, he's not... He's not pressured to cash in his hand right now. He'll have plenty of more chances throughout the years. And even at the end of this year, if he says, you know what? I'm not, I'm not ready to be a head coach. This is, this is too big for me. I'm, I'm too young still. Maybe he doesn't want to be the coach at Wisconsin. And if that's the case, he'll be fine. He'll get another shot, assuming he continues to coach a really good defense and, and be really impressive. Lance Leipold has slowly built up his hand for years. He's been, he's been tweaking that hand, organizing his cards, 
He won 109 of 155 games at Whitewater. 63 titles. Then he coached at Buffalo for six years. Finally cashed in on that job and got a job at Kansas. And now they're undefeated. Lance Leipold, at this moment in time, like Jim Leonard, has a great hand. But unlike Jim Leonard's hand, I don't know how much better Lance Leipold's hand can get. I don't know what cards he's still looking to collect. Okay, if he stays too long at Kansas... Now, all of a sudden, he's not a hot name anymore. His hand busts, and the cards that he's been collecting forever, now all of a sudden aren't so good. His hand busts, right? If Lance Leipold is smart, and we assume that he continues to climb the coaching ladder, and that's what he wants to do, maybe he's, you know, him and his wife are like, ah, we really like Kansas. We'll stay here. That's fine. I want, I want to slow down. You know, I don't think that's the case. Why not Wisconsin? I don't see a reason why Lance Leipold wouldn't want to come to Wisconsin in the event that, for whatever reason, Jim Leonard doesn't end up the full-time coach. Something else I've been seeing from Badger fans, and I wrote this down earlier today. I've seen from a lot of Badger fans, and I saw just about an hour ago, Tom Oates, the Journal Sentinel, tweeted this as well. Well, they should have let him finish the year. You know, they should have let him finish the year, giving him a chance to, to right the ship. Uh, maybe. Maybe that was the, the moral thing to do. Maybe that was the right thing to do, but college football is a beast. College football is very unforgiving, probably even more so than the NFL. Honestly, with the timing of things and when moves need to be made, moves need made all the time. The college football schedule never stops. The clock never stops. It's always going. Whereas in the NFL, you can kind of take inventory at the end of the year, fire your coach, and you know you don't need to do things proactively like we've seen the Badgers do or Georgia State, right, or Nebraska with Scott Frost, although that came to an end for slightly different reasons than Wisconsin. The last time Wisconsin fired a head coach in men's basketball or football was Stan Van Gundy in 1995. It's not like the Badgers do this very often. Then again, college sports are very different now than they were in the 90s or even when Barry Alvarez was coaching. And I've seen a lot of people reference the fact that Barry Alvarez has had some down years, right? Even worse than Chris. Barry Alvarez kept his job. Apples and oranges. College football is a very different sport now than it was five years ago, let alone 15 or 20 years ago. It's year-round, and if the Badgers were pretty darn sure they were moving on after the season anyways, it would be dumb not to do it now. doesn't mean that it's the nice thing to do. It doesn't mean it's fair to Paul Christ, but sometimes life isn't fair. College football definitely isn't fair. The schedule is always going. That's sometimes why college football loses me a little bit. It's like, okay, so now the season is done, and we immediately have to focus on recruiting, and not just recruiting our own players, but recruiting other players through the transfer portal. Then you got spring ball. Then you got the summer, right? You come in and you're, you're right back. At, like the schedule never stops. I like sports like the NFL. There's an off season a little bit. NBA, there's an off season. Baseball, there's an off season. There's no off season in college football. It's all the time. So if the Badgers were planning on moving out anyways, open the job, announce to the whole world that you're looking for a new coach, including one of the candidates, Jim Leonard, who we're going to hear from in a couple of minutes. A couple of candidates, I was looking at the odds to be the next Wisconsin coach, and Ben Kenny went over this in his Kenny and Heilprin podcast yesterday, and I'm not the first one to talk about this list. Jim Leonard, 2-1. to one. Bill O'Brien, 3-1. to one. You can throw that out. Bill O'Brien's agent needs a raise. I don't know how Bill O'Brien ended up on this list. The, <laughs> the top five, or five of the top six, I should say, candidates, according to BetUS or BetOnline, have Wisconsin ties, and then there's just Bill O'Brien. Like, how did he end up there? What? His agent needs a raise. Lance Leipold is third at 5-1. to one. Wisconsin ties. He was obviously at Whitewater. Dave Aranda, 
former defensive coordinator. He's now Baylor six to one. Probably wouldn't leave Baylor. Leaving Kansas is another thing. Leaving Baylor is, you know, that's that's not Kansas. They're not the Jayhawks. Sean Lewis, head coach at Kent State, played at Wisconsin. He's eight to one. And Dave Doran, uh, NC State. He used to be the defensive coordinator here. He's at ten to one. I feel why Chris McIntosh was comfortable making a move. It seems like the supposed two best options, Jim Leonard and Lance Leipold, are both great options, and they're both very doable. I think you can get Jim Leonard if you want him, and if Jim Leonard wants to be wanted. I think they could get Lance Leipold. I think it's a better job than Nebraska, and he's got Wisconsin ties. I think he knows he could come here, and after meticulously building his resume for years at Division Three and the MAC at Buffalo, and then finally at the top level at Kansas, albeit at Kansas in the Big 12, he could cash in all those chips and go to Wisconsin, a place where he could be pretty certain that he's not going to get canned in a year if it's not going great. So I see why Chris McIntosh felt comfortable making this move. Get Jim Leonard? That seems like a pretty good option. Get Lance Leipold? Seems like a pretty good option. And who knows, maybe Dave Aranda or some of those other names, again, with Wisconsin ties, maybe they'd be interested. The uh, the chest is not barren. It's not empty. The cupboard isn't empty. Have some good options. Let's hear a little bit from Jim Leonard coming up next. I want to talk some Packers in the first hour as well. Club NFL coming up at 450. The segment everyone's talking about. Brand new launched last week. We'll do uh we'll do that coming up as well. And give me your text and call. 608-796-2558. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Going to talk Packers in about 10 minutes. Just dishing about Paul Christ and the decision Wisconsin made this weekend. I understand it. Looking at some of the odds for the next hire, you know, and who knows how accurate these are. But Jim Leonard's up there. Lance Leipold is up there. All right. If those are one and two, because I'm not taking Bill O'Brien seriously. Those are two pretty good options. I'd be very happy with either one of those options. Not to say they'll be better or worse than Paul Christ, but it seemed like we had uh, we had maybe peaked with Paul Christ a couple of years ago. I don't know if they were going to get back. Maybe, but Chris McIntosh didn't seem too intent on waiting a couple more years to find out, and I appreciate the aggressiveness. And again, if you're going to move on from a guy, you better have at least a couple of good options waiting, and it seems as though they do. A wise man once said, you're only as loyal as your options. And the Badgers might have a couple pretty good options right now. Jim Leonard and Lance Leipold. It makes all the sense in the world for Lance Leipold to come coach at Wisconsin. Makes all the sense in the world. If Jim Leonard doesn't work out, and if Jim Leonard works out, great. Seems like a win-win here. 608-796-2558. Got a text from Rob in Stoddard. Grant, it feels nice being able to sit down and listen to your show live. With my Brewers being eliminated from playoff contention and the Bears being the Bears, only 177 days until opening day. We are going to do a Brewers funeral Tomorrow with David Gasper from reviewing the brew. We're just, we're going to talk about them being eliminated a little bit. Um, we didn't talk about him yesterday. We're not going to talk about him today because with the Wisconsin news and with the Packers playing a very interesting game on Sunday, we have better things to talk about, but we'll get to the brewers before too long. David Gasper will chat tomorrow. Mike is in Windsor. 608-796-2558. What's up, Mike? What's up, Grant? How are you? I'm good. I don't know if you can tell, but. I, I was a little delayed this afternoon, so I had to eat my lunch at like three fifteen, and I'm I'm wrestling to talk normally because <laughs> I just ate. It was a little a leftover pork roast, and it was really good. But 
you know, maybe eating that much right before I went on air wasn't great. But what else was I supposed to eat? I'm not doing the show hungry, so I'll get through it. Well, that sounds that sounds good, though. I got some smoke, uh, smoked uh, chicken thighs and a white barbecue sauce going on tonight. So. Oh, ooh, 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 ooh. I, uh, oh, they're going to be good. While we're talking food, the, this uh, pork roast that's left over, I left in the slow cooker all day and then coming home and opening my apartment door and smelling that. Oh, oh it, was, it was great. Best, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. So are we even convinced that Jim Leonard's going to actually work? I... I just he gave have, up 34 to Illinois Grant. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I I'm definitely I, not convinced he's going to work. I can't, I can't sit here and just say without a doubt. I'm just like, oh yeah, well, that sounds great. That's a great option. Lance, sure, I think Lance might be a good fit. Um, but I don't know, man. I'm I, the whole Jim Leonard thing. I think it's just I, I think what a lot of people are saying is it's just kind of a filler, and they're kind of like, ah, okay. 3070 it's going to work. You know what I mean? So. I I just I have faith in Jim Leonard um because he's succeeded at, at every juncture so far. You know what I mean? It just seems like a guy sure. who's on the rise. It seems like every challenge that he's come across, everything he's he's done, he's done he's very young. Well. Yeah. He's young. Yeah, it does help. It does help for sure. Um and then quick backers uh I don't know if you've talked about it. I didn't I didn't get to listen yesterday, but uh was there any buzz on the show yesterday about the OBJ rumors? Um, was it just the tweets? Is that all there is? I saw that on McAfee today. Is that the only buzz? Is that all I missed? Yeah, so there, there were some tweets, and then uh, Rogers talked about it today as well So um, on McAfee. So um, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, I think players do that on purpose just to kind of get the word out here, out there. He, there are reports where he met with the Giants yesterday as well. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, pos- possible go back to New York. Yeah, I know. It's probably not going to happen, that'd be but the, that'd you be never the, know. That'd be the dumbest career decision. Just retire that. <laughs> Just retire. Like, instead, go play with Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor. Just retire. I, I think OBJ is going to go to the Rams if they're contenders or the Niners. Whichever one of those two teams are better, I think that's where he ends up. I think that's a good take. I think it's a good take, but I, uh, I, I think it would be – very, very interesting if the Packers even considered it, which they won't because of the Packers. But you know what I mean. Yeah, I just—he's not coming to Green Bay. All, all when pigs fly, Odell Beckham Jr. will live in Ashwaubenon. That's why I'm—that's <laughs> why I'm looking at that. Yeah, that's perfect. He can—he can set up there, have a nice cold Miller Light, and you know, a brat. I wonder if Odell Beckham's ever gonna... had a brat. You think? Probably not. No, probably not. Maybe once. Is know. he is he from Louisiana? Is he from around? I suppose it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But I, there's a great there's a great chance that he has never had a brat and or sauerkraut, and that's fine. You know, people act like I that's the only thing they eat in Wisconsin. I don't know where he's from, but I know that he's not from Wisconsin. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think that would ever work. I'm just saying, you know, just give Aaron Rodgers maybe another receiver other than. The one he has, or two he has. So. I, I got a text here from Jameson, by the way, that says Leonard's defense was a victim of the crappy offensive play. I disagree. You think so? Yes. I also think, yeah. and this is a point, I'm totally stealing this. This is not my original point, but I think it's a good one. Uh, I was listening to the Twitter space that Asher Lowe and Ben Kenny did the other night. I thought they made a good point in that. Wisconsin lost a lot of defensive talent this offseason. Like, Leo it's Chanel is tons. great. Like, not TJ Watt. First round level talent, but very very good talent. Like Leo Chanel and who's the other? Pl- Why can't I think of the other one? There was another one. Um, 
I mean, Leo Chanel is all—he's all Big Ten talent. I mean, he's yeah, he's—he's he's where it's at when it comes to linebackers. I mean, you can't—you're not going to get a much of a better Big Ten linebacker than that. So yeah, they lost tons of talent, and what they replace on the defensive side—eight players, nine players. Yeah, um, on the defensive side of the ball. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I understand, but I don't understand that much. I really don't. Sure. Not okay. 34. Not okay. Illinois. Okay. So, so some some uh, regression is allowed, but not as much as you've seen. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So, e- either way, um, that's my take, and uh, I not I don't even think it's an interesting game this Sunday. I think that I think we'll play very well, and I'm excited to see him play over across the pond. I think it's kind of cool. I'm not excited to wake up that early and watch football, but I am. Uh, uh, I'll just I'll just debut this take right now. I'm worried about Sunday, but it has nothing to do with the Giants. We're going to talk about that next. Uh, so that's the teaser. Sounds good. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the call. All right, man. Have a good one. Yeah, you as well. That is Mike in Windsor. Surveyor Sam Texan. Thank you. Jack Sanborn. That was the name I was trying to think of. Yeah. So a lot of players like that. Again, not first-round draft picks, but just very, very good defenders. And Brett Noclair chiming in as well. Thank you. Yep, Jack Sanborn. You guys are very helpful. And I don't... That sounded sarcastic. It's not. I didn't mean it that way. Uh, uh, Jim, Jim Leonard, yes. Uh, Jim Leonard talked about... His vision for the team. I got a couple cuts, and maybe we'll get back to these later in the show because we kind of we got to get a move on. Uh, but Jim Leonard, his message to the team. This is in his presser today. I guess my message to the team, kind of starting yesterday, kind of let it let it settle in, get out of the building a little bit, let it hurt. Brought him back in in the morning for a team workout. Wanted to look them all in the eyes at the same time and just say we, we kind of a big lesson we got to learn is how to compartmentalize the emotion of it not trying to brush it aside not trying to make it go away but we have to be able to to focus i like that i like listening to this guy talk ben kenny told me today he's like i like jim leonard he talks in full sentences <laughs> again not to dance on paul chris grave but paul chris doesn't care paul chris if you tried to rib paul chris about his press conference he'd be like i never cared about press conference it doesn't bother me i agree but it is nice to listen to jim leonard who uh speaks in full sentences tom is in eau claire let's get to tom before the break 608 608- Seven nine six two five five eight. What's up, Tom? Hey, uh, one thing, Grant, and that's we gotta quit thinking about. And I'm sorry to use this probably the wrong term, but the inbreeding of Wisconsin Badger football. We haven't had a good coach going on there since since Barry Alvarez came in from elsewhere. The coach, but we just keep rehashing the same thing. We gotta get different blood in there. I like Jim Leonard. I think he's great. But I think we need something new because football is different than it was 20 years ago, too. Yep, yep. It's not, you know, it, we've got to have more of a name if we're going to advance past where we've been. And Barry Alvarez is great. He never got us all the way. And nobody since then uh, I, I totally get your point. You were cutting out there at the end, Tom, so I'm going to let you go. I, I heard what you said, though, and I appreciate your take. Maybe you do need to look outside the program. Here, Here's why I like Jim Leonard or uh, along similar lines but not identical lines. Some of these names we're talking about, like Lance Leipold, Dave Aranda, Sean Lewis, Dave Doran. These are guys with Wisconsin ties. Identity is so important to a program like Wisconsin. Unless they're all the start, you know, the sudden going to start spending piles of money on NIL and recruiting player. Okay, well, then sure. But if Wisconsin is going to continue the way that they've been going about their business for the last couple of years, even as college football changes, if Wisconsin wants to maintain somewhat 
consistent, you know, like, let me let me backtrack because I'm tripping over my words. If Wisconsin wants to be the same that they've been in terms of not spending the money on recruits that other schools are and not dumping huge piles of money into facilities and stuff like that, if they want to kind of be under the radar as a college football team, if they want to be overachievers, then I think having a Wisconsin branded coach is really, really important because if Wisconsin's not going to spend and they're not going to recruit, then identity needs to be everything. You need to have a rock solid identity. And if Wisconsin isn't going to start spending money and doing all these things that they're going to need to do in a world of modern college football, if they're not going to do those things, they need to have a rock solid identity, which means Jim Leonard, somebody like that. But if, you know, if they bring in a Lance Leipold type and they go, quote unquote, outside the program, Lance Leipold has Wisconsin ties, but that would be someone outside the program and not inbreeding, as you said, as you said, Tom, which is, you're right, probably not the right term, but it definitely, I understand what you mean. Then you got to start spending some money. If you're going to go, I got a text from, uh, who was it? I'm sorry, I'm digging back through. Luke Fickle says, Surveyor Sam, if you're going to go someone with a completely outside, no ties to Wisconsin, no ties to the state or the university, then you better be prepared to spend some money, right? If you're if you're changing up brands and changing up identities fully, then you got to spend some money. And I, I just don't know if the Badgers are willing to do that. Let's take a break. We'll get into the Packers. I'm worried about this weekend, and it has nothing to do with anything on the football field and nothing to do with the opponent. We'll talk about that coming up next. Club NFL in about 15 minutes as well. Stick around. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. Mike Clemens in one hour. He's going to talk Packers and what he saw at Lambeau as the Packers barely held on, beating the Patriots. Or I guess hold on isn't the right term. They barely came from behind and barely did enough to win on Sunday. The win counts, and a lot of NFL teams are winning ugly. It hasn't been a pretty first four weeks of the NFL season. So it's better than losing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but still felt like a little bit of a missed opportunity to have a really impressive game on Sunday. So we'll talk about that and look forward to London. Mike Clemens will be here in one hour. You can give me a tweet at Wisco Grant or a call or a text if you'd like. 608-796-2558. We've already heard from Tom and Eau Claire. One of my favorites heard from Mike in Windsor, who is a staple during football season. 608-796-2558. I am worried uh, about the London game. Not because the Giants are good. In fact, I don't even know who their quarterback's going to be because Daniel Jones has got a bum ankle and Tyrod Taylor's in the concussion protocol. And not to be insensitive, but this doesn't seem like the type of week uh, and this doesn't seem like the season where teams are going to rush back quarterbacks with head injuries. After what's gone on with two, it seems like caution, an abundance of caution, which is a phrase that we came to love uh, during the, the plandemic. Uh, the Abundance of caution. It, it seems like Tyrod Taylor's probably not going to be back, and Daniel Jones might have a bum ankle. And the Giants stink uh, on top of all of it. They, they stink. They're not good. However, this game worries me because this Packers team does not travel well. I mean, they don't deal well going to California and Florida. I, I just think going to London is going to just cripple this team. I, I don't know if they can handle it. And I know it sounds dumb, but a big coaching red flag of mine so there's lots of focus and commentary on the schedule and road trips. Like, I don't want to hear my coach in a press conference say, well, we got this game at home and then the next month's going to be brutal. You know, schedule makers got to go on the road three weeks in a row or something like that. I, I don't I don't like dwelling on that. I don't like focusing on it. 
I, I don't like drawing attention to it. Saw this with the Brewers in May. Remember, we kept hearing in 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 uh, press conferences with Craig Council. Oh, we got a, you know three city road trip. We got another one, and then you hear the players talk about it, and it's very clear that it's something that's discussed in meetings and it's discussed in the dugout. I'm like, no, I don't want to focus on this. I don't want to focus on the travel. Because I think when coaches bring it up and they belabor it, then players start to bring it up and it becomes a thing. And it doesn't need to be a thing. Like we always hear Rogers talk about, I want to sleep in my own bed. It's just becomes a thing. And if you don't talk about it, then it's not a thing. And I was listening to Matt LaFleur's press conference from yesterday. And it's not all his fault. Don't get me wrong, because he answers the questions that he has asked. But just, you know, he was asked, for example, is there a wrong way of prepping for a trip to London? Yeah, I think you just... I don't want to say wrong. Um, listen, I've been on both sides of it. We've gone over there with the Rams and won. We, we went over there with the Titans, and we lost a close game right at the end. Um, so, you know, I think there's things that you can you, you kind of reflect upon and, and thought that maybe we could have handled something a little bit better. But bottom line is you, you got to be disciplined in whatever it is you're going to do, and just to try to show up and be the best version of you on on game day. It's also an interesting question. Is there a wrong way to prep to go to London? You know, LaFleur's talking about it. And LaFleur, look, I I listen to all these press conferences. I cut all the audio up. I always have it in front of me. He normally doesn't talk for a minute at a time. Most Matt LaFleur press sound bites are like 15 seconds to 25 seconds. Right here he's asked, how can you help your players adjust? 55 seconds. Well, I think it's, a, a, again, a lot on just the approach you take. Uh, the preparation is going to be absolutely critical in terms of, especially the mental preparation, because you're going to be out of rhythm in terms of just your, your schedule, uh, the practice schedule. Um, and you try to keep it as normal as possible, like a, a typical week. But let's face it, it's, it's anything but. So, um, you know, and then... What's going to be different about, I would say, this experience and not not trying to get ahead or anything like that, but just what we have after that as well um, in terms of not having a buy afterwards. I've experienced that. So there's going to be a little bit of learning just, uh, you know, I would say coming away from this thing in terms of just how you best handle it for you know, the future as well. See, we're already talking about, well, it's not just this trip. Then when we come back, we got to go to New York, and that's like a two-hour plane ride. I don't know how my guys are going to. And again, he's answering the questions that he's asked. But it's just belabor, belabor, belabor. Well, you know, the travel, and we're going to sleep in a hotel. Hey, I'll tell you what. When I went to Montana this summer for a week, I slept in a car for three straight nights. And guess what? I still operated at peak performance, caught a ton of fish, Saw three concerts in three nights, never once ran out of gas, never once sat down at any of them. And you might say, well, Grant, you know, you're on vacation. That's very different from playing NFL football, to which I would respond, shut up. (laughs) Malafleur talking about going to London. It's going to be this and that and the other thing. And I just, you know what I want my coach to do? Press conferences is not a problem. A press conference is an opportunity. A press conference is a chance to get your message out there to the world. A press conference is a channel of communication to reflect what's being talked about in the locker room. 
And if Matt LaFleur is in the locker room saying, oh, hey, everybody, get your sleep this week. You know, we got to fly to London. And then when we come back, we got to go to New York. And, and then we got to come back home. And we, or, or they host the Jets and then go to Washington. And this next month is going to be brutal. I don't want to talk about it. Don't dwell on it. You know what I want Matt LaFleur saying in the locker room? This is going to sound a little primitive, but this is what I want Matt LaFleur saying. Oh, London? They can schedule this game in Australia. We're going to go over there and kick the piss out of the Giants. That's I don't care. Play the game on the moon. Go full Dan Campbell. We'll play on an aircraft carrier in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. We'll, while we're flying to London, we'll parachute out and, and play a game on the way. Drop an aircraft carrier. We'll play a warm-up game on the way. We'll play you anywhere, anytime. I don't care. That's what I want my head coach to say. Now, is that accurate? No, because obviously there's logistical challenges that come with traveling, especially traveling that far. But let's not dwell on it. Let's not belabor it. This worries me. This is a massive red flag. Anytime I hear players and coaches in press conferences and in locker room interviews saying, well, you know, the upcoming schedule is bloody murder. Oh, we got a three-city road trip again. Oh, you know, we don't have a bye after our trip to London. Oh, my God, we got to sit on a private jet for 10 hours. I... Red flag. Now, luckily, the Giants stink, and they might not have a healthy quarterback. But still, the Patriots aren't very good, and they didn't have a healthy quarterback this last weekend either. I am concerned, to say the least. Let's take a break. Club NFL, when we come back on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, going to talk more Packers after 5 o'clock. And Mike Clemens will be here at 530. Always look forward to our conversations with Mike. No doubt going to talk a lot about uh, travel this week. Traveling to London, going on Thursday versus going on Friday. You know what I want my coach to say? We'll leave on Tuesday. We'll fly there Sunday morning if you want us to. Just name the time and the place we'll be there and we'll kick your ass. That's what I want my head coach to say. I don't want to be belaboring the schedule. There's no bye after the... London trip. Oh, we don't have any time in London to do anything. I, I don't like it. It it reeks of, of red flags. This game has red flags all over it. Luckily, the Giants stink. That's the silver lining all this, but I personally think the Patriots stink too, so what are you going to do? The new segment that everyone is talking about, no one can stop talking about it. It's the fastest 10 minutes or so in radio. It is the smash mouth football cousin of the NBA lounge. It's Club NFL. Love it. We started it last weekend. Let's go into the club. Let's talk about some big stories. I'm the bouncer of the club. I decide who gets in and who does not get in. If you're on the list or not on the list, it's up to me. I got a list. Who's in, who's out. Let's do it. Yeah. Item number one, and they're on the list, the Chicago Bears. And you might think, Grant, they stink. Why are they allowed in? Well, again, I'm looking out for the club. I'm not... It's not about who's good and bad. I'm I'm looking out for the club. The Bears are that friend that you couldn't quite figure out when you were younger. And then as you matured, you realize that this friend is awesome. A little funny, goofy, but does not care what you think. This friend is unabashedly himself or unabashedly herself. The Bears are that guy. I thought the Bears were trying to get a modern NFL offense around Justin Fields. But, you know, with a Bears flair. Like, we'll hire Matt Eberflus, defensive guy, but we'll get a young, sharp offensive coordinator in Lugetzi. And we'll do the smart thing, but we'll do it our own way. Nah, they're they're trying to be the same team they've always been. They're trying to throw the ball 10 times a game and win. (laughs) They're trying to be the NFL version of Northwestern. And they're very misguided, and they will not succeed in doing this. But, hey... 
they're unapologetically themselves. And I love that. So the Bears, you're on the list. You're in Club NFL this week. Not on the list. Matt Rule. He stinks. <laughs> and he looks weird. I don't want him in my club. He wears an art smock to coach on the sideline. He's a fascinating case study in how one can fall from the top very quickly. He was the hire a few years ago. This stat alone made me kick him off the list of club NFL. You ready for this? Panthers are 1-26 and 26 under Matt Rule when their opponent scores at least 17 points. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane, including 24 straight losses. So if the Panthers give up more than 17 points, they lose. There's only one exception. I want to go back and find that exception. Matt Rule, not on the list. On the list. One Kansas City Chiefs player, former Big Ten Purdue Poilermaker, George Karloftis. This has been a day one George Karloftis show. I wanted the Packers to draft him. He played water polo. Love this guy. I want guys in our club that we know. Like, I get it. Sometimes you do the NBA lounge, you don't want to hear about the Kings. That's fair. So in Club NFL, I want to let people in that we know and we want to talk about. I feel like by the Packers passing on George Karloftis twice... We're kind of tied to him now. Like, we follow his story. Like, we follow T. Higgins, Patrick Queen, T.J. Watt. Players that the Packers maybe should have or could have taken and didn't. We still talk about all those guys, right? I feel like we might regret Devontae Wyatt over George Karloftis. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not saying will. Saying could. And I will watch, to quote uh, Chancellor Palpatine in uh, Star Wars. We will watch his career with great interest. George Karloftis. He's in. We're going to keep an eye on him. I want want him close to the best. He's on the list. Not on the list. Arthur Smith. Here's the thing. None of us want to hang out with Arthur Smith, head coach of the Falcons. What we want to do, we want to hang out with his stud tight end, Kyle Pitts. Because many of us, mostly me, are relying on him in fantasy. 19 passes on Sunday. Drake London was the only player to run more than 10 routes. Kyle Pitts played 60% of the snaps on Sunday. That's terrible. It's even worse when you consider he was the fourth overall pick in the draft. Just play Kyle Pitts. Throw him the ball, please, for fantasy players and just football appreciators alike. So, Arthur Smith, head coach of the Falcons. Unless you're bringing Kyle Pitts along, you're not on the list. And you're not bringing Kyle Pitts along, so you're not coming in the club. On the list, both the Seahawks and the Lions. All right? Every club... Needs an old guy who punches above his weight. There's one at every bar. That can be Pete Carroll. I want that guy in my club. Plus, they're kind of fun and spunky and spry. And with every win, they make Russell Wilson look worse. And I'm about that. So the Seahawks and Pete Carroll, they're on the list. And also, the Lions. Get in here. You're on the list as well. Because in an NFL right now where there's a lot of bad teams and there's not a lot of points being scored... The Lions, even without DeAndre Swift, even without Amon Ross St. Brown, they're killing it. Shootout every week. Electric. They're on the list. Get in here, Detroit Lions. Welcome into Club NFL. Lastly, not on the list. The two high defense. This is something I, I just put this in the, the back row of the filing cabinet in your head. Baseball got too smart for its own good. They're like, well, what if we just shift every time? Well, now no one gets base hits and it's no fun to watch. Well, what if we just try for home runs because nothing else really matters? Okay, well, now it's not fun to watch. I feel like the too high safety look 
is the best way to defend modern NFL offenses. The problem is, is it limits big plays and it forces offenses to be boring. And I feel like in a way that baseball got too smart for its own good. Maybe football's trending that way with the too high safety look because it stinks. You've, you've turned Josh Allen and the Bills into a bunch of checkdown merchants. And that bums me out. However, I think unlike in baseball, uh, offensive coordinators and offensive players will be able to adapt. It's cyclical. Not sure if that's the case in baseball. So that's this week's Club NFL on the list to recap. The Chicago Bears for unabashedly, unapologetically be themselves. Matt Rule not on the list because he stinks. George Karloftis is in because we're going to continue to follow his career. I want him in the club so I can pay attention to the guy. Packers passed on him twice. I feel like it might be good. I'm just going to follow the career of George Karloftis. Get in the club. Not on the list, Arthur Smith for the war crime that he's committing in not using the fourth overall pick in the draft two years ago, Kyle Pitts. Seahawks and Lions both on the list. What a joyous pair of teams that I just love watching. And not on the list, uh, two high safety defenses for neutering many prolific NFL offenses and prolific quarterbacks and turning great gunslingers like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes into checkdown merchants, which I just hate. I feel like maybe football is getting a little too smart for its own good. So now it's on the offensive coaches and players to adapt, find a way to create big plays, even against the very prohibitive too high safety look, but we'll see. Hasn't happened yet. I don't think it's going to happen in baseball, but football I think is a much more elastic sport or the legal just intervene and make a rule that makes it easier to score. I think that's probably what will happen. All right, coming up next, I'm going to talk more Packers. I'm very worried about the London game just because I think this Packers team is way in their head about a flight to London, fairly or unfairly. I want my coach to say, we'll play anytime, anywhere. Not stress about an airplane ride. So we'll talk about that coming up. I have some Aaron Rodgers cuts, a couple of more cuts from Matt LaFleur as well if we want him, and Mike Clemens will join us at 5.30. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. Let it settle in, get out of the building a little bit, let it hurt. Wanted to look them all in the eyes at the same time and just say, big lesson we got to learn is how to compartmentalize the emotion. We have to be able to, to focus. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Sports show. We're not talking Brewers today, and we didn't yesterday, but we will tomorrow. Tomorrow we will give them a proper eulogy, obituary, funeral, you know, whatever. I'm going to find some instrumental version of On Eagles Wings. We'll make it really emotional. Uh, but Logan texts us, Logan in the Dirty Mill, as he says, Logan in Milwaukee, says, Yo, Grant, I can get $11 Brewers tickets, fifth row behind home plate, one section over. Do I do it tonight, or is that a disgusting thing to do? I think it's supporting the front office, so leaning no. <laughs> um, Look, if I lived in Milwaukee, and I lived 10 minutes from the stadium, I would go. Because my $10 is dropping the bucket and it's not going to make a difference. And I think it would just be a wet and wild experience seeing a game last night, tonight, tomorrow. Because these games don't mean anything. This team has been cooked for three weeks. Fans haven't been coming for three weeks. But, of course, they're only officially eliminated yesterday. They were really eliminated over the weekend when they lost three of four to the Marlins. I would go, though. 
because it would be a bizarre experience. And if you do go, Logan, please text the show tomorrow and tell me what it was like because it had to just be bizarre. If you go, I'm, I'm saying tonight would be bizarre, but I was looking at shots of the park last night. I, I mean, it, it, it looks creepy in there. It looks like a like a condemned building. There's nobody in there. There's no life. It's very bizarre. So if you end up going, uh, just go for the experience and then be sure to tell us about it tomorrow. Thank you, Logan. 608-796-2558. Call me and text me. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I'm just thrilled you're here. Made a lot of ground tonight. Talked about Paul Christ, some of the options that might be there for the taking for the next head coach. Obviously, Jim Leonard is the favorite, but what if Jim Leonard doesn't work out or the Badgers and Jim Leonard, you know, come together at the end of the year and realize "Eh, it's probably not the right time and right place for this. We better go get somebody else. Well, maybe it's Lance Leipold. I think he should have a lot of interest in Wisconsin. I think that job and that switch from Kansas to Wisconsin makes a ton of sense, right? There's a lot of good options, which helps me better understand why Chris McIntosh made this move, right? Chris McIntosh fires Paul Christ, very out of character for the Badgers, although the current state of college sports does not match where it was 20 years ago or even five years ago. So firing a coach three, four, five games in now makes a lot more sense than it would have 20 years ago, right? It's a lot more justifiable. It's not nearly as personal. It's not this cloak and dagger out to humiliate a coach thing like maybe it would be back in the day because in college football, the clock is always ticking. Coaches leave all the time, so you need to make yourself available, right? But when Chris McIntosh makes this move, we're asking all of these questions. And again, I would recommend that you go listen to Ben Kenny's podcast. Look look up Kenny and Heilprin. He did one solo yesterday. It's about 45 minutes. He addresses all of these things, but we're asking, why now, right? What next? Who, who are they looking at? Well, I think when you look at the, the list of odds of who is favored to be the next Badgers coach, obviously Jim Leonard is number one. He's two to one. Bill O'Brien is second at Bet Online. I'm just throwing that's I'm not paying attention to that. Then it's Lance Leipold at five to one, Dave Aranda six to one, Sean Lewis eight to one, Dave Doran at ten to one. All these guys have Wisconsin ties. And I love the idea of Leipold. I love the idea of Aranda too. I think Leipold is much more likely to leave. I don't think Dave Aranda would leave Baylor to go to Wisconsin, although who knows? Big twelve to Big Ten. The conference realignment makes this a lot more interesting too. All of a sudden a job that was really, really desirable in the Big Twelve ten years ago. Not the same, or in the Pac-12, because those conferences are are getting raided by the Big Ten, the SEC. So I'm trying to figure out why Chris McIntosh did this now. Obviously, the loss to Illinois looks poor, and the program is very much trending in the wrong direction. But you make yourself available to whoever is next. You get to test drive Jim Leonard for a while, and you get to let him kind of take the reins and, and see what he's got. And then if it's not Jim Leonard, will you make yourself available loud and clear to Lance Leipold, who, again, seems very realistic, right? Why shouldn't Lance Leipold come to Wisconsin? Lance Leipold has grinded forever. He wasn't lucky enough to be an offensive coordinator for a big-name coach and work his way up that way. This is a self-made man, okay? He coached D3 at Whitewater, won as many national titles as you possibly could before he finally got a shot to go D1, coaching at Buffalo and the Mac for a couple of years, then finally gets a crack at a big-time program, and it's Kansas. And now he's finally succeeding at that program. If Lance Leipold, who's built his resume for years the hard way, finally needs to take a leap of faith and leave a job where it's going well, Kansas, why not Wisconsin? Stability. They're not going to fire him two years in. He's going to have time to build it his way, right? He's got ties in that state. The fit is there. The identity is there. So I get why Chris McIntosh has done this. Outside of, of course, Paul Chris wasn't going well, but now you get to test live Jim Leonard, and 
you broadcast loud and clear to the rest of the country, Lance Leipold included, we're looking. We're on the market for a coach, right? So we talked a little bit about that earlier in the show. We did Club NFL. If you missed any of that, you can find it in the podcast just after 6 o'clock. Jared and DeForest, do the Badgers need a guy to boost recruiting or a guy who can amplify what Wisconsin does well? Is there a guy who can do both? Well, Jared, I think you asked very good questions. I can't speak too specifically to any of these candidates and what they do or don't do well. But here's the thing. And Ben Kenny, again, I'm just going to keep plugging his podcast because you should go listen to it. A lot of these questions and topics that we're talking about today, Ben speaks on much better than, than I do. But what I was saying back around 425, 430, if the Badgers want to completely break the mold and, and leave their old identity behind, if they all of a sudden don't want to be O-line university, running back university, ground and pound, if they want to break that mold, get somebody outside of the Wisconsin system, somebody without any Wisconsin ties, and completely reshape the program, okay. But you better be prepared to spend in recruiting. You better be able to put the money where it needs to be in the facilities, in the recruiting, in the NIL. Because if you don't do that, I don't see how you ever even get back to the heights that that Paul Chris took the program. Now, if Wisconsin does not want to spend any more on recruiting and they don't want to get into the NIL business and they don't want to spend on the facilities and they want to keep the status quo, okay, well, then they need a Wisconsin guy. They need someone who fits their identity because identity is everything when you're not spending as much as the big boys and you're not recruiting as much as the big boys and your facilities aren't even going to be as nice as Northwestern, right? If Wisconsin doesn't want to change the status quo, then you need somebody like Jim Leonard. You need someone with Wisconsin ties because identity is everything. You need to be able to own every recruit within the state of Wisconsin. You need to be able to lock that down. You need to be able to develop guys and bring them up in the brand of Wisconsin because that's the only way you're going to compete. That's under Paul Christ at the heights of Paul Christ and at the, the heights of Brett Bielema and Barry Alvarez. There's a very clear and defined identity, right? You're not as talented as everyone else. You're not recruiting in the Floridas, in the Californias, in the Texas, at least not as much as the big boys like Ohio State and the Big Ten and others and other conferences. But you have that identity to fall back on. So the Badgers need to decide, right? Do they want to stick with identity and keep with the status quo? Okay, cool. Then Jim Leonard is a great option. Lance Leipold is a great option. There are others. But if you want to completely break the mold and switch things up, all right. If you have a candidate that you like that wants to do it differently, all right. But you're going to have to spend. You're going to have to spend on recruiting. You're going to have to spend on facilities. You are going to have to invest where you haven't previously invested because you're not going to have that identity to fall back on. Ideally, you have both. That's the dream. Jim Leonard brings the identity. He brings the brand. And then also they start investing in recruiting because then you have the brand and the identity, but you have the players to match, the facilities to draw these guys, the recruiting to pull in extra guys into the into the transfer portal and steal from other programs as well. Ideally, you have both. But I, I just don't know if that's the way Wisconsin goes about it. Then again, this is unprecedented. We have a new athletic director, and he just did something that hasn't been done in a long, long time. So maybe I shouldn't try to predict how Wisconsin is going to go about this. River City Mark, Lance Leipold's resume is like Bo Ryan, only it's football this time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Lance Leipold, man, go read his Wikipedia. And I know he was very much in our brains back in the day. I remember in high school, very clearly, because uh, my senior year of high school, I had a... we had like an internship program at my high school. So I would leave at lunchtime every day and I would go work a job. I worked in the athletic department at UW Stout and I would do some things in radio in Eau Claire. I would just, you know, I'd leave and I'd go do things, you know, little stuff for credit or stuff for part-time pay. And I would always listen to Bill Michaels, right? When I left and he would be on in the afternoon around 
12. And I, I can't remember if it was the end of the 12 o'clock hour. He would have Lance Leipold on every Friday. He would talk whitewater football. He was very much in our zeitgeist. We were thinking about whitewater. We were talking about whitewater. We knew who the coach was. We knew that the program was very successful. And then he went to Buffalo, right? And he disappeared. And I, look, I'm not a college football diehard. Maybe some of you followed him closely at Buffalo and then followed him to Kansas. I did not. But now he's back in our in our sphere. He's in our, our, our zeitgeist, not to obnoxiously use that word more than once, but he's, he's, he's on our radar, right? So if the last six years or how many years uh, you just kind of f- fell off Lance Leipold, go read his resume. It's unbelievable. I mean, taking the most difficult path, grinding it out and winning at an unprecedented level in Division Three. Finally getting a chance to go D1, and you got to go to the MAC. Okay. Got to go to Buffalo. Got to make the most of that. Finally getting a chance to take another step up, and it's not a a power in the Big Ten. It's not a a power at the top of the Pac-12 or the Big 12. You got to go to Kansas, which is a basketball school, and and more of a punchline of a football program than anything else. And then you go there, and you start having success. So Lance Leipold has been building his resume, like you say, River City Mark. He's been building his resume slowly. And – if I'm Lance Leipold, I don't want to take my resume and my my bag of poker chips that I've been slowly and painfully accruing for years. I don't want to take all of that and and throw it like to use a gambling analogy, throw it all on black and hope it it works out through let wheel. You know, I want to cash in with this resume and this cachet and this bag of poker chips that I've slowly and painfully collected. I want to invest it in in a job and take that leap of faith from Kansas in a place where I know I have some security. And I can think of no better place than Wisconsin, right? Fits the mold, Wisconsin ties. Historically, they're they're very patient with coaches. You're going to have time. You're going to fit what Wisconsin has has wanted to do for a long time, right? You live close to home, presumably, right? Be back in the great state of Wisconsin, of course. So it makes sense. Now, obviously, I think in an ideal world, it's Jim Leonard. And it just works out. Jim Leonard takes over the program and he really connects with players. Everything clicks. Now, maybe they don't win a lot of games because I don't think this team is very good. And there's only so much Jim Leonard can do. But hopefully he crosses all the boxes and dots every I and crosses every T and and it all looks good. And it's like, yep, I'm ready to take over the program. Great. It's Jim Leonard's team. But on the off chance that it's not, Lance Leipold seems to make a ton of sense. Heck, with what's going on in the Big 12, maybe you get Dave Aranda. Right? There's a lot of good options. If not this, then that. And if not that, then him. Chris McIntosh has got a long list of guys that are very plausibly available for Wisconsin to go get. So I see why he was willing to move off Paul Crest. Uh, Jim Leonard spoke today. Our friend Zach Heilprin was nice enough to send me some cuts. Zach has COVID, by the way, so thoughts and prayers. Hopefully he's feeling better. With this Wisconsin Sports Zone Network update, I'm Zach Heilprin. Although he was sending me audio today, so he must be doing pretty good. Jim Leonard on not his vision for the defense, but his vision for the offense, which now is also under his umbrella. I think we've always prided ourselves on physical style of play, obviously up front, and we're going to run the ball and, and play action. Right? We're going we're gonna to work our play action game off of that. To me, I just want clean football. Right? I mean, penalties, all phases, we got to clean things up. Right? We, we have to tighten up what we do if, if that's what gets it done, but we got to demand these guys to be accountable for style of play. Well, this is the thing. If they're playing physical, run the ball, football, not a lot of big explosive plays in the passing game, and you're putting these long, sustained drives together, you can't suffer penalties. You can't suffer dumb mistakes because those will kill a drive, 
Right, we talked about, remember previewing Pac, uh, Packers-Buccaneers two weeks ago. We talked about that game as if it was a Big Ten West game. And I said, look, in the Big Ten West, when these offenses don't get explosive plays and every yard is really hard to earn, a 10-yard holding play kills a drive. A sack kills a drive. A drop pass kills a drive. So not only have the Badgers not been great, but they've been really, really sloppy. And that's just going to make it impossible. You're not going to win any games the rest of the year if you keep committing penalties at a high rate and you keep botching execution and assignments up front. Jim Leonard says the offense has to attack things, attack things, and continue to do the same things, but again, just be sharper. We have to find a way, right? What's the best 11, right? What are the issues we can cause, right? How can we, how can we impact the defense? You know, that's having my defensive background, like what issues are you going to call somebody? That's, that's the biggest thing that I, that I think about when, when I organize a defense. So using the best 11 we have, right, getting those matchups right, it been based off the situations, get them on the field, and, and let's go attack, right? Let's cause some problems. What issues are you going to cause someone? That's a great way to think about sports in general, right? And, and it's very clear with this Badgers team, if I say, hey, what is, what is an issue that the Badgers offense is going to cause with an opposing defense? You'd say, um, I guess Braylon Allen's good, <laughs> right? That'd be about it, right? And this this all stems back to identity, right? If you want to if you want to think of it in terms of identity, what do you do well? What do you force the other team to account for? Badgers really don't have that thing right now, right? And I like thinking about you can think about that as an offense and a defense, right? What is our thing? How are we mainly going to cause issues to the other team? I don't think the Badgers really have that right now. Jim Leonard continues. I like listening to him. He speaks. He speaks in. Uh, <laughs> he speaks in full sentences, which I like. Jim Leonard says, and I like this. The time for uh, playing better is here. We can't just talk about it. Of course, you know the messaging in this building is always very consistent with what we expect, what we demand of our players to, to hold each other accountable. And to me, it's it's time to show it. There is no special talk. There is no players only meeting. There is only coaches only meeting. Right? It's it's getting it done at this point. Right. We know the issues. Right. We know we have to play better. There's no talking anymore. Like it's it's time to get it done. And he said even before the Chris news came out, uh, it was time to stop talking. There's been a lot of talk from this Badger team this year after games. Guys calling each other out. There's been a lot of talk. We got to stop talking, guys. We, we actually just have to go put in the work and get it done. Like the results have to start showing up. And there's plenty of plays every week that it's there and you say we got a chance right but there's enough every single week here that that can or or have gotten us beat and we just got to focus on becoming a smarter team and and take advantage of our opportunities lastly be quick uh i really like listening to jim leonard he says the players have to realize that there's still a lot on the line this year especially for jim leonard he's trying to get this head coaching job we we still are in, in position to to reach a lot of the goals that that we set at the beginning of the year and you got to take it a game at a time. We got to turn it around, right? We have to start playing good football and winning games. But the sky falling down a little bit of pump the brakes. Let's take a big picture look of where we're at in the Big Ten and start to get this thing going the right direction because you, you string together some games and, and all of a sudden you're a dangerous team again. 608-796-2558. Mike Clemens coming up in 10 minutes. So anything we want to mention about Paul Christ or about the Packers, we got to do in the next 10 minutes before we get to Mike. So give me a call or a text. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco 
Sports Show. Got a couple of minutes before we got to get to our friend Mike Clements. We're going to talk Packers. What he saw on Sunday at Lambeau. Fallout from the Patriots win. Look, Patriots win's great because for a lot of that game, I didn't think we were going to win. So just to get that win and get to three and one is is great. Just seems like a missed opportunity. I don't mean to whine about it. I don't mean to complain. I, I get that not every game is going to go perfectly, but it seemed like the Packers came out of the tunnel, expected the Patriots to lay down, and then when they didn't, the Packers just didn't really deal with it that well. It's a bummer. Beautiful day, perfect afternoon at Lambeau, just ripe for a smackdown. And uh, no, we didn't get it. So we're going to talk about that game with Mike Clements, who's coming up in a few. We've been talking about Paul Chris, so if you got a take, give me a call, 608-796-2558. You can bring up the Packers as well. I am worried. That is my official stance. I'm marking this game with a red flag, not because the Giants are good. The Giants stink. The Giants are not a good team. I understand they beat the Bears. and Are, are the Giants 3-1? and one? Let me see here. Let me open their ESPN page. I've watched too many Giants games. Yeah, they're 3-1. and one. God, they stink. The first place schedule is a real thing. Like I, I, The Eagles are very, very good. But the Eagles are definitely taking advantage of a, a second, third, fourth place schedule. Right When you win the division one year, your schedule matches the next year. So the Cowboys are playing all these tough games and the Eagles are, you know, not... Right. Same with the Packers and the Vikings. We see this in every division, but I think this year more than more than any in recent memory, there's just so much parity and not in a good way. Like, I, I don't know, the, like in the AFC, for example, I thought the AFC West would be elite. And instead, it's the Chiefs who are great. And then the Chargers, who I'm not sure about the Broncos, I'm pretty sure aren't very good. And the Raiders, I'm also very sure aren't very good. It's like, OK, so I, I guess we are going to be. Fairly evenly matched across the board. It's just everybody's going to be a little bit worse than we thought. Uh, And the differences in a schedule when there are no elite teams can really make the difference. So we're seeing what the Eagles are doing, right? And the Giants, who again, stink. I'm not worried about the Giants. I'm worried about this team needing to take a plane ride longer than an hour and a half, right? And if you listen to the Packers beat, like they're asking about this and that, they ask if there's a wrong way to prep to fly to London. Yeah, I think you just, I don't want to say wrong, um, Listen, I've been on both sides of it. We've gone over there with the Rams and won. We, we went over there with the Titans, and we lost a close game right at the end. Um, so, you know, I think there's things that you can you, you kind of reflect upon and, and thought that maybe we could have handled something a little bit better. But bottom line is you you got to be disciplined in whatever it is you're going to do, and just to try to show up and be the best version of you on, on game day. I'm looking at the press conference transcript from Lafleur's presser yesterday. They asked him if there's things that they need to do on the flight for knee surgery players like Tunyon, Jenkins, and Bakhtiari. Guys, they're flying across the Atlantic Ocean to London in a spacious, comfortable private jet. They're not sitting at the airport for three hours. They're not wrestling at baggage claim. They are flying a very nice plane to London. They are not flying in a rusty old Spitfire across the English Channel through heavy enemy fire. Like, what is this? But And, and I, look, I, I get it. I get it. The, the questions by the Packers beat or the questions by the Packers beat. It's not like Matt LaFleur is going up to the podium and making a huge deal out of the travel, but... There's just so many questions. There's just so much discussion about this trip to London. And the Packers don't do well when they have to fly to Florida, 
which isn't far away, or California, which, again, is not far away. I, I just worry about how they're going to – like today, Rogers is on the McAfee show, and they asked him about flying out Thursday, and Rogers like, well, if we would have voted, I would have voted to leave a different day, but it is what it is. It's like, hey, who cares? Who cares? It doesn't matter. I want my football players and my football coach anytime, anywhere. You, you can schedule a game in, in New Zealand. We'll be there. Just tell us when kickoff is. That's what I want. Because you got to trick your mind. You got to trick your mind into thinking, eh, we're just playing another football game. We're not flying across the ocean. We're not going to London. We're just playing another football game. But instead, you belabor it. You talk about it. You obsess over it. The Brewers made this mistake. We got another three-team a three-city road trip. Oh, my God. We don't have a bye week or an off day for another three weeks. It's like, hey, the more you talk about it, the more you get in your head about it. The more you complain about it, the worse it is. And I just, I don't have a good feeling about the travel portion of this weekend, especially because Brian Dable, who coaches the Giants, is the antithesis of a, of a football coach who's just, anytime, anywhere. We'll play it. We'll be there. I, I just, uh, the styles do not match. But the Giants are really poor. They're not good. However, they can run the ball a little bit with Saquon Barkley, and the Packers really haven't been able to stop the run yet. So I guess that is an area of concern. Let's take a break. We'll get to our friend Mike Clements, talk about what he saw on Sunday and what comes next with the Packers after a a sneaky close overtime win over Bailey Zappi. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Bailey Zappi. We'll talk about that. Mike Clements coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And it's second and five. And that's Harris. But there it goes again. They, they were generous there. They were generous. They didn't beat it. Here's the pass by Zappi. Open man at the 10 and strutting in for the touchdown is Devontae Parker. Got some kind of break right there. That was 100% a delay of game again. Did anybody on your sideline notice uh, the clock expiring on the um, Devontae Parker touchdown play clock going down? I did not. Um, Jason mentioned that to me prior to coming in here, and but I was totally unaware of that in, in the moment. To be fair to Matt LaFleur, I was unaware of that at the moment as well. I didn't notice until Romo and Nance started pointing it out. Uh, that was one of the Patriots' touchdowns from Sunday, and I don't think Aaron Rodgers noticed it either. He had to have it explained to him in the postgame presser. Uh, but then when you go back and watch the replay, yeah, pretty easy to see. Mike Clemens could see it. He was there. Mike Clemens, welcome to the show, Mike. Yeah, I'm usually not looking at the play clock either. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers talked about, and I'm, you know, we got to get some more out of him on this from the podium. That you know, he doesn't, he likes to use up the play clock. Yeah. Well, to me, if you're a defensive end, and you know that the quarterback has a tendency to take it down to three, two, one every time, then you can get a jump on every snap. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. I mean, there's a lot of defensive ends and outside and edge guys that we've talked to over the years. But they just watch the play clock, and when it hits zero, I'm coming, <laughs> you know, because it's going to be, you know, delay a game on you guys. But yeah. It's like Rodgers seems to say, no, that's just it. Um, those guys, you usually come over a second too early, and that's where I get my free plays. But uh, whatever, I, there's, I think there's something wrong. I think there, there was something wrong between the scoreboard crew yeah. and the CBS crew that their clock was off because ultimately – 
it's the guy on the field that is keeping the clock. Yeah. So somehow those have to be synced up. And I'm going to ask more about that tomorrow if the Packers found out anything that was going on with that. But yeah. do you do you remember what the point spread was on this Packers Patriots game? <laughs> oh yeah, I was uh, was talking about it all week. I was telling people that the Packers it started at ten and a half, then it got down to ten, and then down to nine and a half. I think it closed. So Lafleur was asked about that. He said, "You know, when your team is favored to win, you know, are you can this message that he put out? You know, hey, I don't want us thinking we've won before we've even played the game." And Lafleur was asked, "Where does that come from?" I, I don't think so. I think that's you guys. I think that's the fans. I think it's. I don't think so. I think we have enough respect for teams in this league that. You have to show up and play your best ball. The, the competitive balance, it's marginal. And uh, you can see it all across the league. There's going to be upsets each and every week. And so I, I just think it's, it's the outsiders that feel that way too many times. And unless you're in this business, and I don't think you truly can appreciate just the competitive balance that exists in the National Football League. So I agree with that like 99%, Mike. I, I do but the Packers came out like Rodgers was yawning. Like it, they, they walked out onto that field like like they were about to get an easy win, like the Patriots were about to lie down. And then when the Patriots didn't, all of a sudden we had a ball game in it, and it really seemed like the Packers had a tough time getting back through it. I, I also, look, there's great football players on every team. Football is uber competitive, I agree. And also I think when teams come to Lambeau, they don't lay down. And Rodgers said that on the McAfee show today. Teams always give the Packers their best shot, but... Also, that Patriots team is not that great, and I don't think it should have been that close. I think that stuff that Belichick said from uh, in the press conference, he said to his players, and that often happens a lot. Yeah, that you find out that the message the coaches had in the team meeting when the whole team's together on Wednesday morning, the later with some of the stuff they say to the media, mm-hmm. um, it's the same speech. It's the theme. He wants to be consistent. He wants his players to hear it from him first. And then when the players, if they turn on the local TV at night, they're hearing again. It's like, okay, yeah, this is it. And I think Belichick wanted to get a win at Lambeau Field, the field of legends like, you know, Lambeau and yeah. Lombardi and all those other players. I think he wanted that. And I think, I think Matt LaFleur got intimidated. I think he, and I, the game always felt more like this was Belichick against Rodgers. And LaFleur was just there to help Bob Bob. Yep, yep. And, and LaFleur then, you know, he gets this moment where they call the shot to Romeo Dobbs down the right-hand sideline. Looks like he's made a beautiful catch um, in the end zone, but, you know, he hits the ground and bobbles the ball. And everybody could see real quickly on a play uh, replay on the scoreboard, oh, uh, yeah, the ball came loose in the ground. Mm-hmm. And there he is, and he's thrown the challenge flag. And so LaFleur was asked about that after the game. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not too proud of that moment. Uh, that was an emotional decision, and I think it's a great learning lesson that, you know, you, you can never make those emotional decisions in the heat of the battle. You know better. I mean, you've got to survive the ground. Uh, Connor Lewis, he's up in my ear. Uh, he's up in the box, and he's in my ear, and he's, he, he said, I don't think so. And uh, he said he, he, that we shouldn't challenge it and just made it an emotional decision, and it was almost like throwing a Hail Mary. And that that could have came back and and bit us in the butt, and you know. I'm, but again, I'd rather learn from that being on this side. Thank God our our guys bailed me out in, in that regard. But um, 
definitely the worst decision of the day by me. Mike Clements is here. Mike, I thought LaFleur had a rough day, and I really like Matt LaFleur. I thought there were times in the first half where he needed to, to realize that Rodgers was playing poorly and step in in some way and throw his quarterback a lifeline and, and help guide the offense because it wasn't going well. And then at the end of the fourth quarter, Mike, I, this is what drove me nuts. They have first and 10 and the at the New England 42-yard line with two minutes and 56 seconds left in a tie game. You need to get into field goal range and end that in regulation. And they got, they got, it got away from them. They go second and eight, then third and eight, then fourth and eight. And yeah, the Dobbs throw should have been a touchdown if it's caught, but just situationally they were poor on Sunday. And I thought Matt LaFleur, like you said, he seemed like a bystander. I think that's a good way to describe it. And the one play where Rodgers is out there on the left hand side and in traffic, and it's like, what, what, are, what is he even doing there? Yeah. Why, is he, why is he just not in the pocket and either going, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, or play action and finding Randall Cobb, which he eventually did, you know, in the overtime. So, um, you know, I heard Greg Olson, the former tight end, um, have a great comment. He says, you know, there's this class of these coaches, starting with Sean McVay and then Kyle Shanahan, and then the Packers grabbed this Matt LaFleur. These guys are hot offensive play callers. I mean, they're, they're like the best Madden players of all time. Mm-hmm. And in-game, they're great at deciphering what defenses are maybe trying to do to them. But more importantly, it's the, the plays they draw up, the, the different concepts that they like to run, that they prepare for during the week, uh, the way they put their menus together. But they're hot at play callers. But they're not head coaches. And that takes a while. Whoa. To be a game manager and all the other stuff you've got to worry about, during the week in terms of the schedules and the team and and the defense and the special teams and all that. And he said one of the smart things that the Rams did is when they got that young Sean McVay out there at 34 years old, they brought in Wade Phillips as his defensive coordinator. Yep. He had been in the league 40 years. And I think that the, the Packers may have done that now this year with not only uh, Joe Barry before, and they had Mike Patton before who had been a former head coach, but this Rich Bisaccia thing. I mean, LaFleur needs all the advice during the week that he can to help him feel that he can compete better on game days with guys like Belichick or, you know, Andy Reid or some of these guys. So, um, uh, they, you know, that, that, that Bailey Zapp kid, you know, yeah. ended up being, you know, Ben, our producer was, was joking like, boy, if Hoyer goes down Bailey Zapp, boy, he's electric. Well, he actually turned out to be pretty good because I think he threw like, 56 or 58 touchdowns and over 5,000 yards his final year at Western Kentucky, and they got him in the fourth round. Well, so, Mike, I, I was watching on, on Sunday, and I never really talk about betting on this show, but sometimes I'll, you know, just for fun, I'll say, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna throw $5 down just to, you know, feel a little in what should be a boring game. So I'm like, Packers, 9.5, 10.5, I love this. And early on when Bailey Zapp came in, and I think at this point the Packers were – I don't know if it was seven to three or they were down 0-3 or whatever. And Bailey Zapp's checking his wristband with like eight seconds left on the play clock. And I'm like, oh, this is, I mean, this is in the bag. This guy's not ready. He, he has no, no clue what's going on out there. And still was able to hang around. And I guess that's a testament to Belichick. Um, but yeah, Bailey Zappi came in. Ben was not wrong. Uh, the dude Zappi, did play a little bit. Zappi told us after the game that he had Bill and he had Matt Patricia there every sideline series when defense was out there, and they were setting up the next seven or eight plays, the yeah. next seven or eight plays. Just focus on that and, you know, give that to Belichick, man. So yeah. now you play a team, the Giants, 
that I mean they're on that turf in the Meadowlands, and the Bears and the Giants are just knocking heads. I mean they're clobbered. The Bears' offensive line is losing guys. Cody uh, Whitehair, their long left guard, he's going to be out now for the next several weeks with a knee injury. Hard hitting game, and then Daniel Jones, who if he can't find anybody open and he hasn't got a lot of receivers. He runs with the football. He ran for like 60 yards. He ran for a, a touchdown or so. Uh, but then he ends up uh, taking a shot, uh, hurts his ankle. And uh, so then they bring in Tyrod Taylor. He can't find anybody open, so he runs for a first down on the left side. side. He gets clobbered by two bears right to the – and you can hear the helmet yeah. shot you know, up in the press box. So he's out of the game with a concussion. Saquon Barkley had to stand back there and play quarterback for a couple of snaps. Uh, until they figured out that Daniel Jones could come back in, Saquon talked about you know having to line up there in the Wildcat. Well, we've we've made we've made adjustments uh, this week in terms of whether it's reps, no pads. Uh, we'll have a meeting to go through things regarding that trip. You know, it's my first time going across seas to participate in a football game. We look forward to it. Not much longer travel time than it is to go to the West Coast. So we'll just try to do our job during the week to get oh, ready. Hold on, Mike. I played the wrong I played the wrong thing. Here's Saquon Barkley. I'm sorry. I'm like, this isn't what we're supposed to. Here's Saquon Barkley talking about quarterback. I'm sorry about that, Mike. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the quarterback. So like I said, it really, I think, first of all, you got to give credit to DJ coming back in the game. Um, you know, that's, he's, uh, I can't curse. He's a tough, you know what? Daniel Jones basically had to come back just to be their green dot, their play caller, and then he would go line up and stand at wide receiver while everyone else ran the play. It was actually, the Bears-Giants was wild. It was like a high school game. It was terrible football, but it, you couldn't look away. Yeah, but Barkley, man, he, if he gets in space, he looks great. Yeah, he does. He looks great. 146 yards, too. And, so, and that's going to be a problem, you know, for the Packers, too, stopping that guy. So, then, so you, you know, you, Daniel Jones with an ankle, now that you're wondering if it's a high ankle injury, um, Tyrod, he's not going to play. He's the, That concussion's for real. Yeah. Uh, so they were working on quarterbacks today. A.J. McCarron, who had spent some time, I think, with Dayball, with the uh, with the Buffalo Bills, they worked him out today. They worked out Jake Fromm today because they know how desperate they're going to be on Sunday. And so then Brian Dayball was asked yesterday on the conference call, the wide receiver, uh, Kenny Galloway, Gall- Galladay, he... He left the Bears game with a knee injury, so and, and a bunch of other players went down, and, and that, this is how that went down. Uh, Galladay, we'll see how it goes towards the end of the week. I'd say it doesn't look promising. Robinson, Henry Mondo, Aziz Ojolari, cool. Kayvon. Let's go one at a time. All right, Mark Lewinsky. He should be okay. Uh, Aaron Robinson. Uh, probably not. Uh, Henry Mondo. Uh, probably not. Well, that's good news. It's not season-ending, then. Uh, nope. That's about as clear and uh, and open as I've heard a head coach be with injuries, Mike. Wow, just going down the list. And probably not. Probably. We'll see. Like, normally coaches don't even give you that much. No, not in Green Bay. Yeah. Not in Green Bay. But, you know, that's the way the Giants are doing it with the New York media. So, yeah, that's a starting corner and a starting defensive lineman right there. And then, you know, Brian was asked about, now, now you know, you've got this long injury list and you're looking for a quarterback and now you got to get your t- players ready for the jet lag trip to London to play Green Bay on Sunday. And what are those adjustments going to be like for the Giants? Well, we've made we've made adjustments uh, this week in terms of whether it's reps, no pads. Uh, we'll have a meeting to go through things 
regarding that trip. You know, it's my first time going across seas to participate in a football game. We look forward to it. Not much longer travel time than it is to go to the West Coast. So we'll just try to do our job during the week to get ready. And then they'll have their day off, and it'll be a fairly normal week other than we travel on Thursday. See, Mike, I love his approach. He's like, eh, it's not that much farther than a flight to California. It won't be that big of a deal, but, you know, we'll do our best. Whereas I I worry about Matt LaFleur. I I think he's going to overthink this, and I think that is felt by the players, and then it becomes a bigger deal than it is. And I I don't know, Brian Dable's disposition, I think, will lead to a a better situation for the Giants than than LaFleur's to the Packers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to need oxygen on the plane, and we're going to bring extra fruits and vegetables. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and Brian Dale. You're going to have to hydrate, and oh, yeah. God, it's a plane ride. And then you got to go through customs. Don't forget your passport. Oh, and Brian, Brian Dable is <laughs> Brian Dable's the kind of coach who would be like, well, we'll play anywhere, anytime. Just tell us when the game starts. We'll be there. You know, everything else is, is minor football. details. Yeah, fo- football. a football guy. A football guy. Yeah. So LaFleur, I asked when the schedule came out, there was a quiet Saturday press conference in May that I was there. It was just about six or seven of us. And so I said to LaFleur, um, hey, so the, you know, the London game is confirmed now. So, you know, what's that going to be like? He says, I, and he was very clear. He gave us the whole plan. He said, I've done this twice, once with the Rams, once with the Titans. You leave Thursday night, okay? And then, you know, you fly all night from Green Bay into London. And then you, you keep your guys awake. You go from the airport, and then, you know, you have some meetings and maybe a practice or stuff like that. But you try and keep them up till about 7 o'clock Friday, you know, London time, and then let them get to bed. And that way if they can, they'll be tired as hell Friday night, get a good night's sleep then. They'll be more adjusted on Saturday night. And then when they play Sunday afternoon London time, which I think is 8.30 Wisconsin time, then, then they'll be all set. And the schedule came out today, and that's pretty much what they're doing. It's like they've got these practices at noon London time Friday after they fly Thursday night, but that's like, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning here. So and that's what, you know, he's going to make them fly in the plane. They'll probably sleep for a couple of hours and then get through their walkthroughs. Uh, they're, he's, Aaron Rodgers won't hold his press conference until he's there in front of the NFL people, and then give him the afternoon off and, you know, let him sleep it off that way. But that's that's his approach from having made that trip twice. One other thing I thought that was very interesting that LaFleur talked with, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. Who are the best five offensive linemen? David Bakhtiari, mm-hmm. Elton Jenkins, mm-hmm. uh, I would say Yash Nyman. Yep. So that's, you know, potentially three tackles. Yeah, your center. John Runyon, you know, yeah, and then Josh Myers. And then Royce Newman, who's playing right guard right now, he'd be, be fifth or sixth. So if you're putting your best five out there, that means that Yash Nyman has to be in there somewhere. If he's no longer needed at left tackle because Bakhtiari played 70 snaps in that game because Nyman came down with an illness Saturday night, well, then that means that 69 is back. So Nyman's a tackle. So that may, and Elton Jenkins hasn't been doing that great at right tackle. So that means if he moves to guard, or would they move him to center after you hear Aaron Rodgers, you know, swearing at Josh Myers, snap the ball? Yeah. Um, maybe they're, who's the weakest guy in that line right now? Is it Royce New in the guard, or is or is it Josh Myers the center right now? Well, I, I think I. I... Well, it depends. I think Elton Jenkins at guard is one of your best five. At tackle, I don't know if he's one of your best five because I think Yash Nijman, and it sounds like they've been giving him some reps there, so it sounds like maybe he could play right tackle. I think their best five, to be specific, includes Elton Jenkins currently playing at tackle, which changes things a little bit, right? 
the thing is, Elton Jenkins played left tackle last year when Bakhtiari went down. Mm-hmm. And you got to think in the offseason, his camp is saying, you're a tackle now, okay? Because yeah. yep. next year's contract, and we want tackle money. Whatever the case, Malafleur was asked, could Yash Nyman sometime here, if Bakhtiari's okay, be moved to the starting right tackle position? Uh, I think potentially that, that is something that we've definitely talked about, and we'll continue to do the best job we can in terms of uh, repping these guys throughout the course of the week and practice. And, um, you know, but that is, that is definitely been something we've talked about. We haven't made a decision on that yet. I want Malafleur to have as, as few options as possible. I know it's great to have depth, but we just always overthink the offensive line alignment. We always go with the wrong one. I, I just, I want this to be cut and dry for Lafleur because this is something he struggled with. To be in sync and also to make sure that, you know, the quarterback is happy with the declarations. I don't know, who knows? Maybe Elton Jenkins is headed to center and Josh Schneiman at right tackle. So the last thing is this. Yep. The worst case scenario is the Giants start running on you like the Patriots did, like the Bears did, you know, in a close game for whatever. The Giants have got a tremendous punter. And he kicked one out of the end zone that went 70 yards. So they can play some pretty good special teams, too. As a matter of fact, the Bears muffed that, and that helped the Giants, you know, get another field goal. So LaFleur said, you know, Joe Barry's always playing this pass-first defense. He's back there in that two-shell, and he's trying to take away the sidelines. Meanwhile, you've got these running backs, you know, running for 15, 20 yards. And, you know, is Joe Barry, can you ever get out of that two-shell secondary and maybe bring a player up to the box? And LaFleur was pretty snippy when he answered it. Do you not, you're not following me? No, I'm not going to give away our game plan. Um, I just said that in certain situations, you might have to put an extra defender in the box. You know, but I think one thing I love about our defense is we do hold a shell for the majority of the time, and it's it makes it a little bit more difficult for quarterbacks to to you know um, ID what you're trying to do from a coverage standpoint. But at the same time, when it is single high and, and you're holding a two shell, your guy's a little bit later to get there in the run support. So um, there may be a time or two where we have to have to break it in order to uh, get an extra guy up in there. Mike, I feel like complaining about the too high soft zone defense is just the new thing the Packers fans have. Like with the Brewers, it's like, we can't manufacture a run, let's bunt. And when the defense doesn't look perfect on the Packers, fans just say, well, they're playing soft zone, even though we might not really know what we're looking at. Yeah, and truth be told, uh, Matt LaFleur is probably like, we're 3-1. and one. Knock yeah. it off. And also, <laughs> look, we've found ways to nitpick the defense, but you know they gave up some yards on the ground this weekend, but they haven't been bad. The offense has been the much more lackluster unit, and I think Packers fans need to realize it's hard to pitch a shutout and get lots of stops in today's NFL. You know what I mean? I thought, I thought Rashawn Gary looked incredibly fast in training camp. He's making me look smart. I, I I don't understand why this secondary isn't getting picks, and I think that's got to do with their coverages. And I also think that uh, Devon, Devontre Campbell is not really there. I also know what he's going through. His hometown got wiped out last week by a hurricane. Yeah, Fort, Fort Myers, ground zero. And so, you know, Lord knows what he's going through off the field. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's you know, but Kenny Clark and those other guys, you know, the defensive line's doing a nice job, and, and you know, obviously they're 3-1, and one, so. 
Yeah. All right. But, I, but everyone's not giving him credit because it's like, well, gee, you played Tom Brady when he had no receivers. Yeah, yeah. You're playing the Patriots, Bears. you know, when you know, when Mac is out of the game. So, All right. I got to go, Mike. I'm sorry. I just saw the clock. But I will talk to you on Thursday. I look forward to it. Thanks, Grant. Yeah, have a good one. That's Mike Clemens. Wisco Sports Show back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. That's all the time we got. I'll be back tomorrow. We talk about the Brewers with David Gasper. We'll put them to bed. Have an awesome night. I'll talk to you tomorrow at four.